You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it's amazing to see you here where you are challenged to reconsider your normal and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here with my co-host, India Jackson, to get the dialogue going. Hey, hey, hey. Hello. How's it? How's it hanging? Hanging? Hanging. I don't know why that makes me think I about know. something really inappropriate. I know. We're just not going to, we're not going to go there. <laughs> that part. <laughs> Did you borrow that greeting from someone? <laughs> no, I just, I was just like, I'm not going to say how you doing because it just felt generic. I was like, no. And then I was like, mm, okay, here we go. Whatever. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I'm excited to be back here for another one of these kind of like check in, what's up conversations. Same, same. And so before we hop in, I do want to make sure that we acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the stolen land of the Susquehannock, Piscataway, Nantico people, native to this area known as Maryland. Thank you for calling that what it is. I know we say it on both podcasts um, as stolen land, but I just want, if you've never noticed that in the past, because you're just like listening for the content, go back and hit rewind. This land is stolen. Mm-hmm. All of it. Stolen people on stolen land. Mm. I said what I said. Look, we only two. We're like right in the beginning, <laughs> less than two <laughs> minutes in, and we take you to church. Anyway, <laughs> that <laughs> that is not today's conversation. But I, I did for some reason it just it caught my attention, and I felt the need mm-hmm. to point it out. This is what it is. Um. And you and I have both been on a bit of an evolution, a bit of a journey, a bit of insert word here about exploring whose land we're on, about exploring our local area, about exploring what community means to us now, today. And I'm just kind of curious, you know, for you, like, how might you have thought about the land that you're on in the past? Though I know like specifically 
the exact, you know, square feet has changed since you moved into a new home. Mm -hmm. Um, But also like Maryland in general, how have you thought about that in the past and maybe how has that evolved for you to now? Huh. Um, I think for a long time I didn't think about it um, purposefully other than the fact that even though Maryland as a state likes to feel like it's north, uh, we are below the Mason-Dixon line all day. We are south. Um, And so other than having the awareness around that and sometimes having very stark reminders of it, i.e. people putting Confederate flags outside of their homes or driving around with it on their pickup trucks. Um, I don't know that I did think about it a ton. Um, I had the probably low rumble that's always there for a lot of Black people in particular of kind of recognizing the things that probably uh, scream danger or lack of safety and you pay attention to them places you know that you don't go after dark places that uh, you need to get in and get out if you have to be there but I don't know that I thought about it from a conscious perspective and in having to kind of go through the home buying process there are some points where you are you can have the propensity to feel a very certain way, uh, uneasy, uh, disturbed, distraught of all of this stress that's happening around that, that that's put on this, this put on the person buying it to sell something that was ill gotten. And I know that there are, um, are people that I know and other people out there that don't buy property because it's all stolen. And I I don't think that there's a right or wrong. I think we're all trying to figure out as best as we can because there is some liminal space happening here. We're still existing in the world that we're in. And I think the thought that I've had recently, which I can't say if it's right or wrong, but it's been that, you know, this property was ill-gotten and maybe at least me honoring it and me being someone that got here because someone was stolen and brought here brought me, you know, brought us to stolen, stolen territory. Maybe there's a certain amount of reclamation that can possibly be just a little bit closer to happening because it is at least now not in the hands of the perpetrators of the action in the beginning. Hmm. Yeah. As you say that, I think about, um, you know, what started as, a whose land are you on experience, right? Mm-hmm. Um, many people use the, and we'll link to it in the show notes um, if it's something that you you have done yet or unfamiliar with and want to explore for yourselves. Um, but being able to go in and find out like literally whose land are you on? Because mm-hmm. no matter how much we may have legal rights to it, through the here in America, through the American government system, or if you're in Canada, the Canadian government system might have been somebody else's land you're on, no matter what that paper says. Um, but what started for me is a process of going through that 
took me down a long ass rabbit hole of even discovering that we're both on land that originally was um, the land of my brother's ancestors. And that rabbit hole took me even further to discovering um, that they had to literally fight to even um, be able to get their rights and to be classified as natives um, here in the U.S., which is a whole nother, whole nother thing in itself. Mm-hmm. Well, I also want to acknowledge that I have been on a journey of continuing to acknowledge and explore what the concept of interdependence means in all aspects of my life. And interdependence is that acknowledgement that we are all dependent on one another. Um, We are buying food from somewhere. We're buying clothes from somewhere. Somebody built our homes. Um, All of these things that we have came from someone's energy and efforts and labor. And so really acknowledging that we don't do this alone has really taken me down a path of a certain amount of reverence and consciousness about the fact that, you know, how do, how are we caring for the land? Are are we respecting those that were caretakers of it for, for generations? And that some of the things that we're doing to it, some of the un- thought out actions that we're taking with it are causing some of the problems that we have. Um, climate change being one of those. And so for me, it's, it really has been kind of a process of like, okay, I now have some outdoor space where in the spring I want to explore planting more than what I did before with my kind of, you know, many vertical gardens on my balcony but I want to really have a certain amount of reverence for my land and really acknowledge that if this land produces something that can support me, uh, can nourish my family, can, can support the animals that are here. Cause sometimes I look out at my yard, I'm like, there are bunnies and birds everywhere. It's like little mini animal kingdom back here. <laughs> um, but how, how are how are the efforts that I have with, with planting and, and growing supporting the ecosystem that's here? And so it's a very different level of consciousness than just I'm going to throw some seeds out and see if I can get some flowers to grow, but really understanding that this is about nourishing this land that is a part of nourishing ourselves. Yeah. Um, you know, we started this conversation with me thinking about like what I what I learned just from like going to a website and figuring out the answer to that question, whose land are we really on? But you know, the rabbit holes take you in so many different DEI aware directions because, you know, being aware of the state of our our world, like our planet in itself, not just the people in it, but you know, um, the environmental sustainability place space. Right is also a part of that consciousness, that awareness, and how we may approach the way that we're thinking about DEI. Um, One of the things that I know you have been learning about that our podcast community may not um, is you've been going down the rabbit hole of gardening and Mm -hmm. um, 
both like beautiful plants and also like edible plants. And by edible, I mean like vegetables. I don't mean like, the THC <laughs> kind, but I mean, I wouldn't say anything if you're doing that either. Just make sure you bring some my way. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm curious to know that from you, if you could share, like, what are some of the things that you've been learning as you've gone down that rabbit hole that maybe many people are not aware of or have been a part of evolving who you are and how you are? I think uh, one of the things that's been um, a very interesting journey for me is I want to acknowledge that, um, you know, planting can happen all year long. Things can grow all year long and it just depends on what it is. So there's things that grow throughout the winter. There's things that, you know, flourish in spring, summer, fall, all those types of things um, can be true. But what I want to acknowledge is that for me to be in a space of, exploring, growing indoors and outdoors has also partially been a reclamation of my own lineage and some ancestor reverence. My maternal grandmother grew, she just, I don't know, she just always knew how to grow things and she was just good at it. And it was an innate thing. She also, you know, she she would sew. She had the old school singer sewing machine that was in the cabinet in the house. And I just remember thinking like, I mean, my grandmama could grow some things. And for the longest time, I was like, oh, apparently this did not pass down to me. I have a black thumb and I fucking kill everything I was like I can't do these things and for the longest time I just didn't even touch growing anything you know even just a plant in the house because I felt like it wasn't something I was good at it wasn't something I could do and I had a point um, a few years back where I just kind of felt called to it and I decided to try it and lo and behold I was actually able to keep those plants alive and they were thriving. Um, of course, there's always some along the way that don't make it, but that also was me figuring out what I like to grow and what I didn't love to grow. But the interesting thing about growing anything that I find was really freeing for me was one of the books that I was reading and I can't remember which book, but I feel like it was probably one of the books that I've read by Hilton Carter, who is local here in the Baltimore area. And if you are learning about plant stuff, like he's a great place to start and his stuff is absolutely like, Ooh, I want all this. Um, he, he just, he woof, good at it. And I just remember, you know, taking in some, some content and recognizing that, so often there is this lie that some people are good at growing things and some people are not good at it. And the reality is, is that that has nothing to do with it. What direction your house is facing, what type of light you have coming in, what type of environment that you live in, what is your climate, what types of plants are you trying to grow with the environment that you have? These are the, the, the concepts that play such a pivotal role in what the outcomes are. And, you know, even just being able to recognize like, hey, this plant requires a lot more high touch, 
you know, really particular things to happen when it comes to its care that if you can't do that, don't buy that plant and then wonder why it didn't make it. And so having that awareness and really approaching the growing and flourishing of plants definitely changed it for me. Um, I mean, I've also taken in, I think it was the new plant parent, um, plant rescuer, um, I think it's Daryl Chang. Like I've taken in a lot of content and it's been really freeing to learn some of the technical ways to do it, but also the fact that this really is about emotions and getting in it and having your hands in it and just being connected to it. And like, I mean, you've seen my plant collection, India, I got plants everywhere. I have a lot of plants. And to know that I got these plants, I've been able to propagate these plants. I've been able to continue to grow them and they flourished and they have provided so much to me. I feel a lot of pride in being able to do that. And it is one of those aspects of my life that does connect me to my grandmother Rose. I miss my grandmama and knowing that that was something that I got from her it feels beautiful for me. So I feel like you were talking about me when you were talking about having those plants that require a whole lot of extra shit. <laughs> no, I feel so don't buy it. You don't know. <laughs> fiddle of fig. Fiddle of fig. Fiddle Whatever leaf the hell it was. figs are a whole nother. That's a whole nother other. They are particular. But it's like, okay, anybody that is in the plant world, if I say this, you know, Calatheas, you either love them or you hate them. But if you are are new and you are trying to just find an easy plant and somebody's like, oh, I got you a calathea, run. Fucking run. You don't want to do it. <laughs> don't do it. So, I mean, but it's one of those things that it took me a long time to figure out what information worked for me? What methods supported the way that I wanted to interact with growing and flourishing and how it is that I could also be of service to these living, breathing um, organisms? Like plants are not just, um, you know, decoration. Like they are like, act, like they, they grow. They are things that have, you know, roots. And they reach for the sun. They take in oxygen. They're they're very much like us in a lot of ways. And I wanna respect that. Yeah, I um I think about like some of the rabbit holes that we've been discussing together. And I know we may explore it in, a, in another episode, but um for me, like planting things or gardening just because I'm like, uh, I kill plants. But <laughs> the moment you start linking it back to like gardening and regenerative gardening and how that's amazing for our greenhouse gases and for our soil and plant life and animals and how like you can share what you grow in the community um, refrigerator, you know, like that, mm -hmm. that I'm like, I got to figure out these skills now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. It puts you in a very different place with understanding and being in touch with the entire process of 
you know, actually implementing this process to plant something, growing something, it nourishing you and it nourishing others that are a part of your community. That's a very different process than I just went and bought something. And I am fully here for that type of interconnectedness uh, and acknowledgement of the interdependence that can be present there. And reconnecting with literally life, well, like in so many forms, the parts of life that when we get into our modern society and live in our buildings with the air conditioner, yeah. we disconnect from. Mm-hmm. Insects, you know, they're not they're not bad insects and good insects. There's just insects, and they all have a role in our soil. I'd like them to be not in my house. I was about to say, I need you to be in the soil outside, not in not not in the house. I don't do house guests that don't pay. That's my rule, y'all. I don't do house guests that don't. Yeah, about that. So I know, like, learning about gardening and soil and so many different pathways in that direction when it comes to land and whose land we're on and all this has like really evolved parts of the ways of how you spend your free time, parts of the ways of how you have practices that support um, giving yourself some Zen, some peace. Um, I'm wondering if there's anything else that maybe you learned in the past that helped you evolve to where you are now that's not quite gardening? Hmm. That's a big question. It is. There's so many things that you and I spend time learning about. (laughs) (laughs) It has nothing to do with our work sometimes. But then you're like, oh, shit, but it does. (laughs) Yeah, that part. Um... I'm wondering if my my own um, evolution, my coaching uh, program that I went through, and now actually, you know, being actively in the coaching space, I wonder, like maybe where the the conscious point came up for me that it shifted my interpersonal relationships. Um, I think I perceive people's actions or lack thereof or their comments or their way of being from when possible, a more objectionate lens. I'm not perfect. So sometimes it's just like the fuck is happening. And um, I think it it has given me the space to 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 be a little more um, empathetic, a little more understanding, and I think it's very much shifted the way that I parent. And I think one of the primary things with it is understanding that there was a point in life where if something didn't go well, if a situation didn't play out the way that I would have wanted it to, or I wasn't a fan of the way that someone interacted with me, it could have previously felt like you did this to me. 
This is how you treated me. This is what I had to deal with. Where now there's a lot more understanding that it likely had nothing to do with me. Not because I I don't matter in the situation, but we too often can tell ourselves that things are about us. Things are happening to us. Situations, good, bad, or indifferent, are about us. And being able to recognize that when situations unfold, there are times when you just so happen to be a part of it. You just so happen to be impacted by it. It's not always about you. And that has been helpful because then it doesn't, it doesn't support any victim mentality. It doesn't support any what's wrong with me mentality. It doesn't support any false narratives about what I did wrong or trying to overly dissect of what I need to do differently. Because if it's not about me, then why am I trying to make it about me? That was, hopefully that made sense. That might have been convoluted, but Tell me if that made sense. <laughs> no, it makes complete sense. For some reason, it makes me think about um, also like, you know, the grandest question of like, what did you learn about being an ally in, in the, this year or recent months, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And while it's a valid question that we often ask because it can reveal quite a bit, um, I found that one of the biggest takeaways that I had actually sparked by you was realizing through working on some of like how you're processing things and maybe even your own mindset about stuff that you are an ally for your children. Like you're not just raising your children. You are an ally for them because oftentimes there are things coming up in their lives that directly link back to DEI related things Mm-hmm. I, I, I want people to more widely understand that being an ally for someone is less about the difference of race or gender or socioeconomic status or insert, you know, identifier here and more about understanding That if someone lives, leads, earns, loves, whatever it is, differently than you, even just in the nuances, that being able to hold space for that reality just as much as you do for your own is a very strong and necessary act of being an ally. I feel like that's the end of our conversation now. (laughs) Okay, well, then there we go. We're going to wrap it up then. I'm okay with that. (laughs) You know what? One last question. Okay. What are you excited about right now? (sighs) Hold on. Why not require a big sigh? (laughs) You know why it required a big sigh? Because I am more excited about what I'm not excited about. Like, I, I really can't think about anything in this moment that like, oh, I'm not excited for that. Um, because I feel like there's a lot of possibilities. That doesn't mean that everything is perfect or ideal or, or great. It's the fact that 
there, I am at a point that myself, those around me, those I support, those I love, those I care for, um, there's a lot of possibility and opportunity that is accessible. And that in itself is more than enough to be excited for. Mm-hmm. I got nothing to add to that. <laughs> End of episode. So that being said, this is where I'm just going to remind everybody for listening and or reading and taking in the articles, these episodes and dissecting them and taking the pieces that work for you and then taking the pieces that work for you later when you re-listen. Every time you do that, I thank you. Together, this is how we can continue removing stigma and creating real change and connection while we cross lines and recreate boundaries in order to support and not separate. Let's keep getting more people to drop the veil while challenging their thoughts, feelings, actions, and state of being. So until the next time, keep the dialogue going. Bye. Google can be a really dangerous place especially when you're searching for things that are not as straightforward, like things related to diversity, equity, inclusion. Whose land are you really on? This is a conversation that I was very interested in. And I didn't land on these answers alone. Oftentimes, when we're thinking about things that are not frequently talked about, We don't even know what to search for to land on the answers to our questions. And so that is the power of being in community with other people because you can share the messy middle about what you're thinking about. And I can almost always guarantee you that someone is thinking about the same thing and may have even landed on a resource that you're not aware of just yet that can help you lay out the answers to the questions that you are diving into. One of those questions for me was about the land that I'm on, and a wonderful member of our community happened to share the resource nativeland.ca, of which I discovered whose land I was on, and it took me down a complete rabbit hole about some of my family members' ancestry that included the fact that I am living on their stolen land. This is the power of community. This is the power of being amongst people who have similar values and similar questions to you and are on a similar journey, but are doing it in very diverse ways and are coming from different perspectives and also have discovered different things. And in this conversation, we dug even deeper to talk about the Thanksgiving traditions here in America and so much more. I know that this has changed a lot for me and how I perceive my land and That little disclaimer that we have at the beginning of every episode here at Pause in the Play and at Flaunt Your Fire. And I know that this is just the beginning of so many more possibilities of ways to reconsider your own normal and things that you may approach or talk about that you haven't quite dug just a little bit deeper to the next level in. If you want access to a community of badass people who are really going to show up and show out and be resourceful for you, be willing to share, be open, be vulnerable. I'm going to encourage you to head on over to pause in the play 
com slash community. There you can learn more about what our community has to offer. And once you sign up, you're able to join us in in community conversations. We have a 24-7 community hub where you can post and share and ask questions and connect with people at any time because we acknowledge that our members are from across the globe. We'd love to have you in our virtual room. Find us over at pauseintheplay.com slash community. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take, and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?